Welcome to the Soulful Sound Podcast. This podcast is about celebrating the leaders, teachers, and coaches who guide fellow humans to connect, heal, and discover themselves so they can express their gifts into the world. I am Simone Niles, a coach, sound healer, vocalist, and author. Thank you for being here with me today. In this episode of the Soulful Sound Podcast, I am joined by a beautiful soul, Alexandra Rigazzi-Tarling. Alexandra is a professionally trained opera singer with over 20 years of international performance and teaching experience. She trained at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama in London and the Zurich Opera Studio, studying the workings of the human voice and its effect on the body and mind. Alexandra has been a qualified sound therapist for the last 10 years and a tutor for the College of Sound Healing. She offers sound therapy and healing as a complementary therapy, as well as teaching courses and workshops on the subject, specializing, though, in using the voice as a healing tool. Alexandra has taught singing and a system she calls singing therapy and voice reconnection. She teaches this throughout Europe as a workshop leader, working to promote the many benefits of singing for stress relief and other conditions like dystonia, Asperger's and dementia. In this episode, Alexandra opens up about her journey from opera to sound therapy and the importance of being authentic and aligned with your truest desires. She speaks on her role as a sound therapy trainer and her approach to balancing the science and theory with the intuitive and spiritual aspects of this healing modality. Tune into our sounding experience and feel free to join in. I am so excited to welcome today Alexandra Rigazzi-Tarling. She's a voice and singing coach, sound therapist, and teacher for the College of Sound Healing. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. And you happen to be my teacher. You are my first introduction into the formal side of sound healing, where I got my qualifications years ago. Years ago, imagine that. That's awesome. Um, So I'm so excited to have you join me today. I'm really honored that you're spending some time with me. So thanks. It's a pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> so I'd love to know like what you're doing, talk about your work, tell us all about where you are right What's now. What's happening? Yeah. Well, um lots of things as usual. I'm um as you said, a voice coach and a singing teacher, so um a lot of my clientele come for a basic singing lesson, whatever a basic singing lesson is. Mm-hmm. Um I work as a sound therapist, so I work um with sound, with clients, with all sort of manner of um, illness or just for general well-being. I teach for the College of Sound Healing, as yes. you, again, as you mentioned. Yep. Um, and we've just come to the end of a round of training now. So um, some um, graduated and moved on to the next phase. Some Amazing. I'm still working, marking case studies for them. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I uh, remember those. You remember those, indeed. Um So, yes, so that's just stopped. Uh, And actually, summer is here. So I'm having a little bit of a break, which is quite nice. I'm still um, continuing with um, clients and my practice. But actually, in the summer, everybody just disappears and goes away. So I take a bit of time, indeed. And that's what I'm doing at the moment. Um, Brilliant. And of course, lots of sound baths and sound meditations. Um, I work out of Virginia Water Community Centre where you did your my training, training. Is, yeah. And uh, we've put on some extra sound baths for the summer because mm. people come out in the summer. It for seems for sure. So uh, yes, we've been doing a lot of that, and um, 
yeah, just generally living it, really, living yes. it and enjoying it and seeing what happens. Absolutely. And now I'm here with you. Yay! <laughs> Being very present and in the moment. We had a beautiful bit of an impromptu sounding uh, not long ago, which was yeah. so wonderful to get our energy really flowing and aligned for this. So it's really beautiful. I'm, I'm so, I was so happy to do that. We haven't sounded together for a while, so no, it's lovely it's to come back. a couple of years. Yeah, yeah come back and together and do that. And I know you have a background, you, you do teach um, voice and, and also the sounding side of things, um, mm. but you have a background as an operatic singer. Mm, so how... Right. Tell us yeah, about that and sure. how you've come about to where you are now. Yeah, so, um, well, for me, singing was, um, that was my life, really. That was everything at home. You know, we always sang. We sang church choir. My dad um, played guitar and sang. So everything we did was, it was a very singy type of house. Mm. Um, my mom used to sing to me all the time as a child. So um, it was just the most normal thing me um but actually growing up my mum is also a therapist and healer so uh, I always had that complementary side to everything um so yeah so because singing was my life I decided that that's what I'd like to do um mm. you know going forward for my career so I um trained actually at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama in London right I went there when I was um just 18 so wow. really young um straight out of school and so like three years ago so kind yeah um well yeah not quite three years but (laughs) you look fabulous oh well so do you that's what we were saying thank you yeah so um yes I decided to study opera because I really enjoyed classical music I enjoyed you know popular music and and all music really to be honest I liked I liked it all but um I'd had singing lessons for a number of years. Mm. Um, And actually, I think, you know, when you have singing lessons, you're often pushed in a more classical direction. So again, it just seemed normal. It was just, just evolved that way. Um, Yeah. And then spent um, seven years training in London um, to be an opera singer and then went off to Zurich for a year and um, worked at the opera house there and then moved to Italy and lived there for five years and all the while sort of singing and um, working with various agencies and sort of, you know, whatever was going on there, doing lots of stuff. Um, I was married to an Icelander at the time. Wow. So we used to go to, he was a singer. Okay. um, And we used to go to Iceland and travel around and do concerts. So, you know, everything was about singing. Mm. Um, But, you know, it's quite a difficult world you know and there's lots of gaps between work and um I think it's what we were talking about earlier you Mm. know this sort of idea when you're growing up of finding what's authentic for you and you know finding your place in the world and being I guess genuine you know and yeah having been brought up in in a an environment where um looking after yourself and and maintaining levels of happiness mm-hmm. um self-worth all of these things were really important you know I was taught that that's awesome yeah it, yeah I was very lucky actually um and actually I think as a singer or a working singer it's very hard to maintain those qualities mm. um because it's a highly critical environment so you're constantly trying to please people. It is the the definition of a people <laughs> pleaser, literally. You know, you wait for the applause. You hope the performance goes well. You hope mm. you get the next audition. You're constantly trying to please people. And I think after a while, this um, this really ate away at me. This was very difficult. It's um, 
philosopher, it's very hard to find my voice as well. You're constantly being trained. People are telling you what you need to do and how you need to sound. Um, And actually, in the end, um, I when I moved to Italy, finally, I sort of took myself away from all singing teachers and coaches and just actually sat with my voice. Mm. Um, I was living on my own. My husband was uh, my ex-husband, sorry, was uh, off doing other things um, of a singing nature. And um, it was just me, the Italian countryside, my piano and my voice. And Mm. that was a really uh, interesting time for me. It was about stripping away everything I'd learnt and getting back to my natural voice, Mm. um, which I think I'd just lost along the way. You know, I could sing. I'd always been able to sing. I could always make a good sound, Mm. whatever a good sound is. Um, a pleasing sound, shall I say, for the uh, classical music industry <laughs> of the Western world. That's right. The system that we fit into. Um, so, yeah, so I just went back to basics and mm. changed from soprano back to mezzo-soprano, where I'd started all along, yeah. um, all those years before, um, and refound my confidence and myself through shutting everybody else out for a while and saying, right, what do mm. I want? Yeah. And I have to say that was probably one of the most sort of profound times in my life. I probably didn't realise it yeah. then. I was just decided to go back to my instinct instead of listening to everybody else, you know, the agent, the singing teacher, the whoever. Yeah. Um, and actually then, um, then we moved um, to the north of Italy and, and again we're, we're working still as singers and it got really tough. I was constantly challenged um, again by, um, you know, sort of employees to to be a certain way and to be more charming on stage, to be more this, to be more that. And I just thought, you know what, this isn't me. Yeah, <laughs> this isn't me anymore. Um, so, to cut a long story short, moved back to London. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one sort of uh, job here. I was in, uh, singing in London in an opera. And I was due to, you know, perform in this opera. We had a three-night run. It was in Greenwich. And I lost my voice completely. I got ill, picked up something from one of the other the cast members, mm. completely lost my voice. And it was absolute hell. It was yeah. just, you know, the way you're treated. They wanted me to inject steroids into my throat, you know, all of this stuff. Oh, and I just no. thought, you know what? Yeah. It's not worth it. <laughs> this yeah. isn't worth it. This isn't right. Something here is not right. So I stopped. Yeah. I stopped singing, stopped performing. And um, and I remember going back to my parents' house um, and sitting there and just saying, right, what are we going to do next? Yeah. And my mum said, well, what, you know, what do you see yourself doing? What else would you like to do? And I said, I don't know, because I've always sung. Yeah. That's what I've, that's what I've always done. Um, and I said, right, well, you know, I like the idea of helping people. I like the idea of working with other people to assist them in some way you know maybe like counseling or maybe something Mm. um but I wasn't sure what I wanted anyway a couple of weeks later I was milling around at home still (laughs) trying to decide what I was going to do for the rest of my life (laughs) I was about 27 28 then probably so I've been approaching 30 I can't remember exactly um and my mum again a big part of my life my mum she yeah, came home mine too I love mum oh, oh. they're just you know if you have that relationship with your mum just really lucky and yeah. I have to say even now you know all these yes. years later that's beautiful um, yeah no I'm, I'm really blessed and um, she came home with a little bit of paper 
And she said, look this up. It's sound therapy, sound healing. She said, just have a look. I don't know what, I said, what's that? I don't know what that is. Um, little did I know, you know, sound healing, everything is sound healing, isn't it? As yes. long as it has a loving intention. But, you know, it's something I'd never come across in terms of um, terminology. Sure. Um, and it went from there. I, I looked up sound healing, came across the College of Sound Healing. Um, other practitioners at the time, Jill Purse um, in London, just suddenly stepped into this world of mm. a different way of using the voice about you know, sort of toning, using the voice for pure tone, um, for healing other people, for healing ourselves. And that was really the the change point. It was yeah. like a massive sort of turn. I mean, I, I can't even explain it. It literally went from one way of using my voice to the complete opposite, um, stepping away from the ego, moving out of um, how we sound, but more about how we feel mm. um, and how our sound affects others yes um you know when we're when we're working with them so I I trained them with Simon Heather and did Mm. the practitioner training that you did with me yep yep and used to go up to um he was in Stourbridge at the time and did these five weekends over the course of I think it was about 18 months but slightly longer with him um yeah and did workshops and so on and just knew just Mm. knew that that was I'd found my place yeah um and decided very quickly that that's what I wanted to teach and that's what I wanted to sp- to spread mm. the word with. Yeah. Um, I knew straight away and um, there happened to be a, a tutor training happening and, and I joined it Great. quite early on mm. um, and haven't looked back, to be honest. And actually that has informed and defined everything else that I do, whether I'm, you know, working with um, a therapy that I call voice reconnection, which mm-hmm. is getting people... Um, back to their natural sound, whatever yeah. that is. You know, it's very difficult if somebody comes for a singing lesson, they want to sound a certain way. My question is, or your, how do you sound? What mm-hmm. do you have to offer? Instead of trying to fit into some other sort Mold of system. Bolt, yeah, exactly. Box, yeah, yeah. Let's just discover what you have. Um, and some people just come with the voice reconnection or, the, or what I used to call singing therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, said, I know I have a voice, but... I've always been told to be quiet. I've been put down. And I used to see, I mean, I knew myself um, from my own training uh, and very often working with teachers that were just full of fear, you know, and projecting fear. Um, And, you know, just feeling made to feel awful about my voice, you know, Mm. sort of trying to suppress tears whilst having a singing lesson. You know, what a way to sing. yeah, horrible thing. So I, I could really relate to feeling completely suppressed mm. vocally um, and then the voice morphing into something else because it was, I was holding down all of this other stuff, you know, yeah. and then the voice changes. So for years of sort of observing this, I realised that people are, or the, the, their voice is a reflection of who they are. And actually mm. now, after several years of working this way, I understand that it's possible to diagnose people's health, thought patterns, lots, many different areas, just by listening to how they use their voice, the yes. sound, the quality of their voice. Someone come, someone comes for a session. I can tell very, very quickly, quickly what yeah. what we need to do and how I can assist them, um, and that gives me enormous pleasure because mm. as they start to um, 
as they start to develop their voice, their lives change. And I do say to people sometimes, okay, you've chosen to come and work with your voice. And mm-hmm. as I say to people that come on the sound healing course, you've, course, you've chosen to come and work with this form of healing. Please do expect for your life to change. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Gosh, don't I know it. <laughs> people don't believe me though. It's really funny. You know, they, they don't believe me. And then after a few, whether it's the, the, the training course or whether it's sessions, their lives start to change. Yeah. And something inside of them, they come, something inside of them says develop your voice develop your voice Mm. and they come and they decide I don't know why I just feel like I want to try it I don't know why I want to try it Mm -hmm. and they're listening they're listening to their inner voice and the inner voice works hand in hand with the sound that we make yes and that's what I work with it's aligning people's inner voice Mm. to their outer sound or their composite sound the sound that they make which reflects everything else that's going on with yeah. them mentally physically emotionally and so, so many nuggets you've just dropped oh my gosh I don't know where to start that's, that's beautiful <laughs> well there, there are many things as I said to you in the beginning <laughs> but I have to say even though there are many avenues of of working um in this way for me the it all comes under the same umbrella as people mm. often say to me oh so you're a singing teacher and you're a sound therapist oh so you do both things oh and you do you know, sound baths. So it's all lots of separate things. And I'm like, no, for me, it's all, it's, it's all the same. Different modes of expression. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. completely. And yeah, finding your way to peel away those layers of the conditioned self yeah. to find that small part of you, that voice within that is ultimately what will take you to your happiness, your evolution, your ultimate you know, sort of, I don't know, Nirvana. (laughs) So I'd love to touch on something that you said, because you spoke about inner voice. And a lot of people might not necessarily Mm. know what inner voice is. Yeah, absolutely. So what is that for you? What is the inner voice? So the inner voice, um, well, most people would probably relate to the inner voice is that dialogue that runs in your mind inside as you're living your life. Mm -hmm. So that dialogue can be... um, sort of you know sort of motivational speech come on I can do this I can do this or um with a lot of people it isn't with a lot of people it's um negative dialogue negative you look fat today you're not pretty you're Mm. not gonna be good enough um and the inner voice has usually been created by as I said by conditioning I think Mm -hmm. it's rare that people come into this world with a with a, an inner voice that is um, self-harming, mm-hmm. usually people have been told all of these things and they form an inner voice, an inner dialogue based on how they've been conditioned. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's that voice that it's talking away, it's saying one thing to you whilst you're saying something else. So very often, you know, the most positive people outwardly um, their inner dialogue can be very self-destructive and that's mm. what's driving them to have this outer, um, you know, sort of perceived confidence. Um, the problems, I think, that at least what I find is when the inner dialogue and the outer are so misaligned and then other problems start to creep into people's lives, whether that's illness or, feel, you know, sort of just feeling um, like things aren't right for them in whatever way that might be yeah um and how do they go how do you go about aligning it because if the inner dialogue is sometimes mm-hmm. negative you're not saying that you want the negative the outward uh, the outside expression to match that no you're no wanting quite. you're wanting it to be a positive experience so how do you 
go about aligning that inner and outer? So a lot of the work that I do with people when it comes to, to vocalising is actually looking at what the inner voice is, is saying. Mm-hmm. So it's actually really being very honest. And I always say to people when they come for a session, you know, I'm quite a strict therapist. <laughs> <laughs> the work is done between the sessions. Yes. So they're given homework and they're, they're told and asked to go away and observe what the inner voice is saying mm. um, at various parts of the day or during various experiences. Once we've pinpointed what the inner voice is up to mm-hmm. and what the conditioning and the program actually is, mm-hmm. then um, we can start to reprogram that. And that's done in various ways. It can be done through um, a combination of sound healing, voicing, um, affirmations. But it's about finding really what the inner voice is up to mm. and why it was has become that way. Yeah. So people have to do a lot of searching back and looking yeah. at what's happened in their life who's told them whose voice is it you know who who are they hearing when mm. they you know when it's sort of destructive yeah patterns um so it, there's a lot more to it than just sounding however um the sounding in itself actually using the voice um whether that's singing songs or just literally as we did earlier mm. before um before we started recording, um, toning, sounding, allowing people to actually just sound. So, you know, when someone sings a song or they come with the idea that they want to sing a certain song, mm-hmm. that's quite hard to say, sing a certain song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they usually have an idea in their mind of how they want the song to sound. And that's usually based on someone they've listened to singing yeah. that song. So really they're not looking to sing the song for themselves they're looking to to perhaps imitate somebody else so what I try to get people to do is what I call um, vocal play Mm. Um, so we start with something like the Shruti box which if people are not familiar the Shruti box sounds Mm. like this it's like a mini harmonium like a mini harmonium exactly and I just get them to start sounding. So sounding might be anything from, you know, laughing, giggling, just feeling anything they want to do. So, you know, it could be just something like this. Just a simple R. And I just say, just let's just sing some vowels. Let's just sing R, E, O. You know, let's just sing that. And gradually, depending on obviously who I'm working with and how comfortable they are, I gradually get them to develop um, this, these sounds. Mm. And then we start sort of toning along together. We make up sounds, um, songs. Um, So they're really investigating what's in their own voice box I guess yeah. you know um it's also like you're just kind of giving them permission to release to let yeah. out to let go whatever comes out exactly. whatever whatever comes out is right right now exactly and and finding that as a way into whatever else is is there exactly because very often there's a lot of superficial stuff that needs to be cleared so as soon as somebody starts if somebody hasn't done that before yeah you know yeah. they might tone a couple of sounds and then they they just stop because they, they've run out of Oomph. You know, yeah. we work a lot with breath and diaphragmatic breathing, breathing so that people can um, learn to expand as they breathe and really yeah. feel that the voice comes from deep down inside. Um, you know, if we're looking at voice, um, you know, technically, it's not a technical singing lesson. It's far yeah. from that. It's yeah. not about, you know, 
throwing breath at the voice and, and looking mm. at all the finer tunings of opera or contemporary, whatever you're doing. It's not mm. about that. Mm. It's getting away from all of that. Yeah. And it's about saying, how do I sound when I'm just allowed to sound? Yeah. Um, and it's amazing. Very often people have an emotional response. Yeah. Very often people um, just, you know, at first they just clam up. They cannot cope with it. So we, we make it fun. You know, it's mm. some people have never been allowed to sound. Yeah. It's interesting because at the end of a lot of the sound baths that I run, I do a bit of sounding where people, it's a bit of a call and response so people can integrate yeah. their own healing. Mm. And I've had a couple singers um, come along to this and they're comfortable, you know, singing anything. You put them on stage, you're like, wow, no problem. Um, but it was really interesting, the feedback, one in particular saying, I sing all the time, but you asked me to sit and sound in this space was so vulnerable. Mm. So I felt like I was actually being seen in a way that I'm not seen when I'm standing exactly. on stage to perform. And I love that because it's really what you're saying is it's not about the singing it's not about the performance it's not about what's supposed to sound pretty it just is about what is yeah. and and that authentic sound that you know we all have within exactly. us exactly and at the end of the day what is a nice sound what is an ugly sound what is yeah. a pretty sound i always say to people you know i've had a couple of people come that say okay you you say you can teach people that are tone deaf i'm here teach me mm-hmm. and i'm like well um hang on a second can i just check which system we're working with are you referring to tone deaf within the Western system of music where we have a set sort of scale the pitch and two. there are semitones and tones and exactly. Yeah. Or are we talking about the East who have, they have different scales, they have quarter tones. Mm-hmm. Can I just check what we're talking about here? And they look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> I make my point, you know, yeah. we're trying to fit into a system. I'm sorry, but you know, You've seen the squirrels in the garden this morning. Yes. When the squirrels are hungry, they'll sit on the fence and they'll cry. And they'll make this noise. Yeah. Yeah. And you go (laughs) out there and feed them. (laughs) I go out there and feed them. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Um, But they're not thinking, how do I sound? No. They're thinking, I need food. And when we were babies, that's what we did. You know, we cried for food. We cried for love. We cried when we were in pain. We cried when we were frustrated. And our mothers hopefully knew the difference with those those cries. Yeah. There's a lot of research around that particular subject. Books written now about the the language of babies. Exactly. Yeah. It's very different. But I think, you know, even... um, even before we started to analyze it. Yeah. We, we, yeah, we, we know this. Mm. Um, so where does it change? And, and my work in, in many ways, um, depending on who I'm working with or what the workshop is, is about looking at where we stopped that free sounding. Mm. And very often, you know, it's when we started school, we were told to be quiet, we were told to conform. And yes, of course, we have to have, there's an element of, of conforming. Of course, there is, we have to, you know, be quiet and let other people talk and we have to learn to listen and receive and give and so on. Um, but, you know, sometimes we just need to sound and yeah. and we're told not to. And it's the same with, with any sort of grief, you know, or... or I was speaking to a client this morning who's just gone through surgery and she said she can't stop crying. I thought, that's fine. Just keep allowing the body to Mm. sound. That's okay. Um, There's this whole sort of, it doesn't even have to be crying. You can be laughing, but there's this whole thing. We shouldn't be too loud. We shouldn't Mm. be too, um, you know, step into anybody else's space. We're sounding beings. That's what we do. And I I honestly believe that a lot of the illness that that we encounter is because we are blocked Mm. and we're not flowing. We're not allowing ourselves to sound our joy our pain you know we talk a lot about the negative because people come with illnesses but when's the last time you had side splitting you laughter you know that feeling where you're you ache 
mm. because you've been laughing so much. And the tears roll down and your the t- face. Yeah, exactly. You can't just help it. Exactly. And I think, you know, it's just this, um, we're all so serious. Mm. And what happens when you get someone to, to sound and voice? And I do have some very funny exercises that I get people to do. People particularly like the raspberry blowing, but I don't normally get them to do that <laughs> on the first session. I think they would never come back ever. Um, but yeah. it's amazing how, you know, just blowing a raspberry, you wouldn't think twice about it when you're a kid. No. But as soon as, of course, you, you, you grow up, you get to puberty. No, why would I? Why would I, why make would that I do funny that? sound? Yeah. yeah, the raspberry is the first um, stage of speech. You know, a baby puts its tongue forward, mm. starts to yeah. make sound. Yeah. Um, and so it's fundamental that the tongue is in the right position, the jaw is released, that yes. the pharynx is, is open, is up, yeah. the air is flowing, it's it's optimum. So, yeah, I have all these sort of crazy ways of getting people to sound and depending on the person, you know. And I their used, conditioning. And their conditioning, and all of that. yeah, we use different things. But, um, yeah, so for me, that is sound therapy. Yeah, that's yeah, beautiful. That comes under voice, you know. So I have a slight... Um, it might might just be the wording and i and i the reason that i've come up with the whole um i guess the idea of soulful sound and that soul full of sound is because i i feel that we all have a uh natural state of bliss that that and and state of harmony in each and every one of us that has its unique sound and a lot of the work that i'm doing is helping people to come back to that sound in that, it then comes and ripples out, as you say, from inside out into everything that they do, feeling more connected with who they are, being able to express their gifts into the world without apology. Um, and so when we speak about the word inner voice, uh, I do make a distinction personally between inner voice and inner dialogue, because I think the inner dialogue is very much about the conditioning, as you've said, very much about that you know, those things that we've been told or heard or the influences and all stored in our unconscious mind that's filtered out into the world. For me, inner voice goes into a deeper state, a deeper place of knowing and being that is is real hmm. and right. it's true. Yeah. And that is is really who we are in, in our in our perfect state. But you know, it's thank you for saying this because um for me the inner dialogue is how we detect the inner voice and then once we've worked with that dialogue and we've we've start to to align back to you know positive if we can um then i feel the dialogue becomes it's a filter in a way it is Mm. yeah i mean it's it's very difficult isn't it the terminology inner voice in the dialogue um for me now my inner voice there's still an inner dialogue for sure we you know i don't that. think we ever get yeah. no we, as long as <laughs> we're alive we have that happening yeah exactly um but we can be aware of it we can monitor it we can try to like look and say okay so why am i feeling like this yeah. come on self what's the yeah. matter with you let's what's go or what's going on here mm. what are you really afraid of because it always leads us back to the same thing usually we're afraid of yeah well it's just fear-based isn't it whatever that would be but once we get through that we get to that stage then the inner voice for me is that small voice that comes and it's very quiet very it's that Mm. it's a vibration and it says that's okay you're that's 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 the right direction for you yeah that's the voice that leads you on your what i like to see your higher path your Mm -hmm. that path that leads you to ultimate well-being. Yes. It's that little voice or that feeling of, um, for me, it's it's hard to describe, I suppose, because everyone feels it differently. The inner voice for me is a feeling of contentment. Yes, that's okay. Yeah. I feel okay. I feel balanced about this. If I feel 
fear, if I feel uncertainty, mm. I question as to whether it's right for me. And, yeah. and so the inner voice for me is that feeling of, no, this is right. Even if it seems absolutely absurd at the time, mm. but no, this feels like the right decision. Which one should I do? This one, this one. I get more of a feeling of this sense of breathing that I do with people, this sense of, okay, release. there's a release and, and a relief mm. and a feeling of, yeah, okay, we're okay with this. Even if it's not the outcome that we think right now yeah. is the right thing, there are different stages. So the inner voice is is leading you to ultimate happiness and yeah. well-being perhaps. Or, you know, perhaps you're already happy and well. So it's yeah. keeping you there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're talking a lot about that tapping, tapping in and tuning in. And, and I, and I agree this is not the inner voice tends not to be the one that's shouting. You need to, you need to create the environment or the silence in order to really listen up and tune in. Um, and as a trainer and teacher, because obviously you do train and teach people to go into the modality of sound healing and sound therapy, which obviously I've experienced with you. And one of the things that I thought was, was really interesting and you did a great job and I'd love to know your thoughts on this is balancing the the science and uh, I would go as far as saying as the head and the scientific side and all the theory behind it because those things are important and then coming over to the heart where the intuition resides and where you're kind of trusting that inner voice and really being able to you know let go of ego and go to a place of some some place completely different and I'm curious to know how you teach that to people because we understand how to teach the, the the theory you know if you've got books you've got the research you've got all of that and I want to know more about how you get people to tune in and trust that process especially when they're working with others mm. hmm. <laughs> it's not the easiest thing to teach I can tell you um, usually people that come to experience this type of work have already made that step to trust on some level, on some intuitive level. Yeah. So that is um, a blessing. Mm -hmm. You do get the occasional person that comes that hasn't made that and wants to come and find out what it's all about. So um, I start by teaching the science and the theory because I always say to people, when we get, you know, sort of down to part two or part three of this course um, and you're toning over somebody's body and I'm asking you to trust your intuition, um, I want you to think back to the science and think about what you're actually doing. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, the science, the uh, the nature of resonance and vibration yep. is really, really important. So, um, so my teaching of the intuitive side very much depends on how I've taught the theoretical side. Um, giving people visuals, exploring the nature of um, entrainment in nature, in um, um, grandfather clocks with the pendulums, mm -hmm. um, the tuning fork experiment, all of these things, so that people understand that everything is vibrating, including ourselves. Yes. Mm -hmm. The person in front of you on the couch is a massive vibration. And we look in this in, in finer detail, obviously. It's not as mm -hmm. simplistic as a massive vibration. There are, there are other pulses and various things. But um, I get them to see themselves as vibration. Therefore, the voice that they are creating is vibration. Mm -hmm. And they are going to be applying that to another mass of vibration. vibration. So this is key 
to start with because mm. if they can visualize that for themselves then when they stand in front of a body a client <laughs> on the on the table rather than thinking going into fear <gasps> i don't know what to do so go back to what you're seeing mm. what are you actually seeing yeah a body on a couch yes but what are you seeing beyond the body on the couch yeah what are you really seeing so first of all, that is paramount, because if they can see everything as a mass of moving energy... Or even sense it. I suppose some people aren't as visual, it. but that's Absolutely. what you're meaning. How do you exactly. sense what's in front of you from that vibrational experience? Exactly. So yeah. it's very much having that um, understanding. And then, for me, with people that are new to this, it's very much about play. So... We have case studies. You know, the students mm -hmm. have to do 36 case studies. You're not expected to be, you know, a practitioner during those case studies. You're expected to be exploring and yeah. finding out. So like a child, you know, if you watch a child playing, you watch a child in the garden, or you watch a child with another friend, and they're just playing and they're just happy. They'll be doing one thing and then suddenly they'll just dart off somewhere else and be doing something over there and they'll run back. And their thoughts, they're taken where they just where they want to go. They don't think about it. They yeah. just feel drawn, except when they're told what to do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they feel drawn. And so when you're working um, over a client's body, there is a feeling of being drawn to certain areas. Mm. So I teach this. I, I, I explain that there is a feeling of being drawn. Um, obviously, there's a demonstration, so that that helps. Of course. Um and this feeling of being drawn is spontaneous. So I encourage students to actually be working with spontaneity, childlike mm -hmm. spontaneity, mm -hmm. to notice, first of all, obviously, the fluctuations in sound, but not to get too caught up about that. Because, yeah. yes, we will notice fluctuations and it's amazing. And you think, hang yeah. on a minute, is that, did my voice just fluctuate or am I, did I just make that up? You yep, know, yep. there's all this questioning that goes on. But, um, once that's there and you've got used to sort of sounding over somebody's body, to actually go where you feel that you're taken rather than examining it too much. So it's very much like you said, handing over mm. to this other side. It's this childlike side that we all have. Yeah. We all have it. We are all capable of this. Mm -hmm. This isn't something that, you know, some people are healers and some people never you know, will healers. never be. Yeah, of course. It's we are all healers. Yeah. We are all capable of this. Um but we all have the ability well, we all have the ability to switch our brain state. But actually really um when we're in intuitive mode, we're, we're not in everyday doing mode. So, no. you know, when we're out driving the car or doing the shopping or, you know, getting from A to B, we're in beta mode and mm. sometimes, you know, sort of heightened beta mode and we're you know, left brain, we're getting everything done. When we're working over a client's body, the, the, the therapist is actually very much in a, in a meditative state. Mm -hmm. The hardest thing is actually to maintain a meditative state while still keeping enough left brain that you're... You're still <laughs> pulling in. Your, exactly. Yeah. That balance between balance. heart and head or left and right exactly. brain. And all of well, this. I tend to teach it as, as left and right brain because yep. I think, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of terminology in, let's call it the new age world, you mm -hmm. know live from the heart not from the head but what sure. does that actually mean so yeah. for me it's about explaining to students what 
this terminology means. What do we mean, lead from the heart? Mm-hmm. What do we mean? So, yeah. you know, it's it's very much about being able to hand over to what I call a daydreaming state. You know, yeah. if you to stop your day and you say, I'm just going to sit on a bench for 10 minutes and I'm going to stare. Yeah. A lot of that's trance and hypnosis. A yeah. lot of it's just going into that state where, yeah, where it does switch. It just switches. It just switches, yeah. And, and you know, that's um, if you can switch between those states Mm. then you can work with uh intuition yeah that's the bottom line so it's really training people i I said to them you know that the course is about learning stamina it's about learning to be able to go between these two brain states yeah and then you can help and train which is help guide Mm -hmm. other people into that state if you are firmly and strongly vibrating in that state you will guide other people into that state. Yeah. Um, and of course, with the the theory and the science and everything, I know, and I'm, and I'm just throwing this out there because mm. obviously we've done this, um, there are exercises to get you into that state. So it's not just, uh, I hope I can get it from, you no, know, switch into no, this or I hope yeah. I can go back. Exactly. There are really very straightforward and practical things you can do to enter into that state where healing sure. can take place, that meditative state, that daydreaming state. Exactly. That and allows practice you to practice yeah. that. And, yeah. and students have homework to practice that that yes. and observe yeah. themselves in that state yeah so the observation whilst you're in that state is really important because mm. that's keeping that just keeping an eye on things which is more doing mode which is more practical mode but observing whilst you are in an altered an altered state and that sounds sort of like magic doesn't it like oh in an altered state you yeah. know we're just talking about daydreaming state. which we all do yeah. we're daydreaming sleeping meditating watching the telly driving the car at some some ways um you know you need your practical in fact driving the car is a perfect example because very often people say oh i don't know how i got from a to b but their physical body did all of the practical things Mm. it needed to do but their mind went somewhere else Mm. and actually it's it's there we go it's it's another one driving the car (laughs) this is the perfect balance (laughs) i love that and and i think um coming back to that childlike and curiosity and play is such a great um, example of that uh, going back to that, I would say intuitive and natural state of being. It's just like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just going to be guided. I'm just going to follow kids, kids playing by themselves with their, in their imagination, flittering around the garden. It's just such a wonderful thing. I remember Mm -hmm. watching mine just go from left to right. And it's like, there's no logic there. It's really just about, as you say, where they're being Mm -hmm. guided. Um, And interestingly, talking about entrainment and nature, it is being guided in a sense that, that everything somehow kind of aligns at some point. Um, And you can be guided in those ways. I think this is this is really fundamental. Did I answer your question? You certainly did. (laughs) I wanted to know about that intuitive side and how you teach people because it's not an easy thing to teach when it's not as tangible. We can have a book of, okay, we know the intervals, we musical intervals, we know how these things relate in terms of vibration and ratio and frequency. Mm -hmm. But then what happens on the other side? Because I remember for myself, I'm I would like to think I'm quite intuitive. I've always been very much about inner questions and asking for guidance inwardly. So coming into the course for me, it wasn't difficult. However, because there were new modalities and new ways of of expressing things, I found what was helpful for me it was to ask myself the what if question. And what if meant, what if this is what I'm really seeing? What if this is what I was really sensing? Yeah. What if is this is what I'm really hearing? And and going with that, if that's mm. the case, then how will I then follow on? Mm. And trusting mm. that that is 
you know, rather than, no, am I really seeing this? Is this really happening? Am I really sensing this mm-hmm. about this person in mm-hmm. front of me? What if I was? Yeah. And I thought questions. that that was a really very simple way of just just falling into trust, following in, falling yeah. into intuition yeah. and inner guidance so that whatever I did or didn't do was was implied on the what if it was the case absolutely which yeah. is a really beautiful that's lovely beautiful way for me anyway yes thank you for sharing that I didn't know that's what there, you were doing yeah right? there you okay. go and you always look so natural so <laughs> there we are well you know I do feel like I did have that connection but like anything and anyone you go through those moments as we know with the internal dialogues like hang on this mm. this can't be real but actually mm. what if it was so yeah. it's always a great reframe for me so Feel free to throw it out to well, your next set you. of uh, <laughs> next you. set of students. Yeah, it's it's literally about gathering all of these little things because yeah, different things speak to different people for, without a doubt. And you know, so yeah, thank you. Yeah. One for the toolbox. Yay! <laughs> yes. So, I mean, you're obviously you spoke a lot about your work and the things that you do. I'd love to know what is your definition of healing. And I think earlier when you said you might ask me that, I said, "How much time have you got?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we so. can we can do the shorter version, but give, give give me your version anyway. I don't mind. Well, okay. So, um, what do you know? I'll just draw back to um, at the very beginning of of the of the course. Um, we ask this. We say, "What is healing?" Um, and you know, simply put, healing is responding or giving to someone with loving intention so if you're feeling upset or you're having a bad day and I put my hand gently on your shoulder and I say Simone it's okay it'll all be all right Mm -hmm. that's a form of healing because I'm trying to make you feel better Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that really is for me that's the definition of healing it's about trying to offer something to somebody else to make them feel better but from loving intention so there's no um it's not about money it's not about gifts it's Mm. about offering something from yourself to that person Mm. and saying i care how can i help you um and i think the challenge there for a therapist or a healer is that they can then keep um maintain that but with a boundary for their own health and well-being because we understand that we we give as healers we you know channel energy for giving as healers Mm. but we have to also maintain our own uh, energy our own strength Um, so if you're working with you know several clients every week how do you continue to feel that way about them you know Um, but I think it's remembering that. It's remembering a very, that very simple sort of... Serving uh, with a healing intention. Yeah. To, how can I make that person feel better today? Mm. You know, and that before a singing lesson, before a healing session, obviously before a healing session, it's it feels slightly more formal in that mm. way. But hopefully um, in whichever way I see people, whether it's for a singing lesson or, or you know healing or voice reconnection whatever it is there is that element of care um i think for me that's really important i feel like i've done a good day's work if somebody came in you know a certain way but went away feeling better yeah then i feel like i've done what i was meant to do yeah that's awesome 
Could you share a story about a, a client that you might have worked with and, you know, anything you feel like could be an interesting thing to talk about? Um, gosh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Isn't that typical? Um, well, I don't know. In there, are, there are many, there are many things, and it depends on the context. Um, gosh, how about how about one where someone came with a physical ailment, and how was that? How did you not necessarily what did you do in the session, but what kind of things do people come to you with, and then you know maybe how what, how do they leave, or when when they leave, mm. what's the change? Because you just mm. spoke about that. For you, it is about making an impact, even if it's in a in a session or a small way. Now they feel leave feeling better. Sure. Well, I suppose if I, I mean, most recently, perhaps that's the easiest thing to draw yeah. on um, in the sort of worst context, you yeah. know, in that um, sort of serious, serious problems. I've been seeing a lot of people, um, new clients with cancer. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's so difficult for people because they're so afraid mm. of what will happen to them. And usually they're afraid of what will happen to them whilst they're being treated rather than what will happen ultimately. Mm -hmm. um, so actually with the, with the person recently, um, just really completely alone and, you know, had a diagnosis um, and had nobody else to, um, to share the fears or anything mm -hmm. with, you know, and, and just uh, came, um, actually came for a singing lesson that day, um, which didn't really end up happening. But um, I think when she came, uh, she'd had the diagnosis the day before um, and just was in complete shock. So it was a case of first just listening and allowing her to, to, to speak, you know, and um, just to speak about her fears. But after that, um, I actually thought, okay, so how do I... I remember sitting actually with her and thinking, how can I help her now? Mm. Um, because the medical diagnosis is always so um, gloomy, you know, and, and fair enough. I understand, you know, that um, doctors have to give a worst case scenario because that's their job too. Yeah. You know, they have to do what they have to do. Um, so I thought, how can I make this woman feel more positive about the future? How can I empower her? How can I give her tools that she can do? Mm when to stop her feeling like this so um we actually i <laughs> read her a whole chunk about um sound healing and the work of fabio mamon and how um intervals and the interval of the seventh and the resolution of the octave it sounds a bit technical but had mm. been used to um destroy cancer cells and how um when a person uses their own voice mm. the research showed that actually um the the overall effect was more more powerful, more positive. Right. So I explained a few very basically um, and said, look, you know, let me show you some um, some meditations that you can do. Let me show you some sounding you can do. Let me show you some toning so you can control your breath. I said, at the end of the day, your, um, your attitude towards this mm. is, is controllable. It, yes, it's awful what's happening to you. And, you know, we, we of course, we acknowledge that, you know, she's still in that horrible desolate place of course yeah, but she can exactly. control how she thinks about that mm. however hard that might be mm. so we looked at toning some affirmations we looked at singing this um, healing scale and we did a little bit of that and I have a cd with with that on which I I gave to her um 
And then I just checked in with her, you know, every mm. couple of days. And she said she was doing that. And it was just about trying to reinforce that positive state of mind. I think when someone's had the ground taken out from under them, mm. um, where on earth do you start? You know, and, and I, I always make light of it I'm like you know (laughs) I'm giving you a bunch of affirmations and some singing to do as your homework you know yeah the poor woman has all of this other stuff going on but she can control minute to minute she can control how she feels in that moment and those were the tools that that I gave her and I felt Mm. that um that's what I could do for her and she she messages to say that she's doing all of that and she's you know and sometimes perhaps she'll text and she doesn't feel as positive so I just send a, a text back to reinforce you know and just mm. to it's it it's not I can't cure it there and then but I can give her things that have been proven and worked with and she can try to do that for herself and I think healing is really empowering a person to make choices that will make them feel better will make yeah. their mind feel better keep the thymus gland strong mm. keep the work of John Diamond you know keeping the thymus gland strong, the will to live, the will to survive. Mm. It's very important. And if you can reinstill that in somebody yeah, with tools, you know, that they, the will to survive is, is difficult. You know, we all fluctuate with that depending mm. on how we feel from hour to hour. Um, so it's, yeah. So she was the most recent, I would say. And, and yeah. um, so really it's taking, it's taking responsibility for your own healing and mm. taking it one moment at a time. Yeah. And then obviously, yeah. you know, utilizing the tools and the, as we go back to the science and the the things that we know work mm. um, and just implementing some simple tools Absolutely. on a daily basis. And, yeah. and although, um, you know, I, I, I really believe the science is important because mm. we are of a, a scientific race, you know, we, mm. we, we live with that. And, and as much as, um, you know, I, I meditate, I tone, I, I do all of the, I say again, new age for want of giving it a term. Um, I do it and I do it with absolute hundred percent belief because I've looked at the science and I've made sense of the science for myself. Mm -hmm. And I have answered all of those questions for myself. And I think it's really important. This lady in particular, highly intelligent woman. Yeah. She needs to know why she's doing it. Because if she knows why she's doing it. Yeah. Just, just do this. Trust me. It's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. No. no. So no, it's, no. it's, that is really important for me. I agree. Mm. Yeah. Which is great. Cause that's what we're taught, you know, certainly yeah. in, in the college of sound healing and you and being able to go through the scientific stuff and have, there's so much research out there now that it's, it's hard to miss, you know, if Indeed. you want to know more yeah. about this stuff, there's so, so, so so much information out there, which is which is amazing. Um, I just wanted to ask you a really quick question. This is tracking back to way back at the beginning of our mm-hmm. conversation. You spoke about your own personal journey coming out of opera and the things that you went through and not feeling like you were necessarily connected to your authenticity through voice and you felt like you needed to change that. So I'm wondering in reflection, if you think there are ways that people who are, of course, still in that industry, in the music industry, whether classical, operatic or contemporary, mm-hmm. who might be feeling... I'm being forced to sing this way or this is not me or whatever those kind of, you know, missile, you know, things feel just not quite aligned. Do you have any tips now because you've been through a, such a long journey after mm. making your decision to shift that would be helpful 
for them to not necessarily leave because of course no. they have that choice of course. but if they decided to stay within the music industry and pursue it through that you know that medium what what kind of tips could you give for really staying within that authentic sound mm. Mm. and your your authentic expression mm. I would say number one be very careful who you surround yourself with in terms of teachers coaches be very careful what is being projected at you from people that you trust. Mm. I would say that first of all, because I think, um, you know, there are so many amazing performers, so many gifted people and, um, you know, they, they're incredible and it's such a hard profession and they work so hard and they hone their skills and their crafts and they need to feel uh, supported by the people that are working with, with them. them. Mm. And to be working with someone that works from um from a place of love actually not mm. from a place of fear not from a place of not quite having achieved it for themselves um not from an ego place mm. um i would say if i had to do it all again that's what i would do i think um even recently you know sort of teaching in various places that i've been and worked with young very talented performers it's still so fear based and mm. there's you know, horrible things being projected at them and they have, they carry that weight on their shoulders. And I think that's the first thing that starts to make you feel like your sound doesn't fit, like you're not being authentic because you're constantly having to deal with all of this negativity around you. And mm -hmm. I think if you're not aware of um, energy and picking up on bad vibes and that type of thing you're going home every day or going to college whatever you're doing or, or to the theater carrying everybody else's crap yeah. really you know so I think um I would be very careful to make sure that your thoughts are your own mm. first of all I think mm. that's the first step to getting back to being authentic what do you think what is right for you does it feel good mm. If it doesn't feel good, just have a little look around and see if there's anything else or anyone else that does make you feel good or yeah. better or better because it's hard to go from feeling not yeah. so good to good, you know, but, yeah. but better. A sense of um, relief, you know, a sense of feeling, um, yeah, I guess it's, it's really, it's what you said, being, being authentic. Um Yeah, I think that, I mean, that makes sense that you, again, a lot of it is really coming back to self and being, it's all, it's all very integrated, coming back to self, trusting that, mm. um, asking the questions, tuning in, and then noticing what's in your environment, what mm. is actually causing this, you know, the shift that's happening, the mm. internal dialogue to take you down this path. And of course, We know with certain things in the industry, because if you are in the industry, there is certain, um, you know, ideas of, and I'm putting this in inverted commas because not everyone can see my fingers, but um, of, of what success is. Yeah. And in order to reach that level of success, a lot of people feel that they do need to um, bend or break or go away from, you know, what's real for them. Mm. Um, and while, yes, that might be the case for some, I mean, and certainly that's, that's how some people live it, I definitely agree with you that there are other ways and it really is empowering yourself being resilient knowing when to be flexible mm. because we mm. are you know we're, we're not an island we're in a space where we have to to bend and adapt mm. um but coming back to that 
just tuning in and asking the question, is this my mm. voice or is this someone else's yes. that I'm hearing right and now? And being aware that, you know, if you're around people or you, you're with people, uh, whether it's teachers, coaches, friends, colleagues, whatever, you're with people and you think, well, you know, doesn't feel so good, then mm. take yourself away hey, yeah. and be with yourself. Because if you're projecting good authentic stuff people will come to you yeah. but you have to build that power of authenticity that belief in yourself mm. and then people your resonance your vibration will be so strong that people will come to you and you'll find the success that you're looking for by being happy yeah you know um i think you know the profession has a, a reputation of being the industry of, of being bitchy a little bit sort yeah. of you know backstabbing and it's really it's difficult to cope with, but I think people that are real and and comfortable within themselves and not constantly trying to appeal to others, if they're just doing what they do wholeheartedly, yeah. I think they're the ones that that make it in a in a different way because yeah. you can have all the success. Yeah. What is perceived success, fame is is, is perceived success, mm. but um, if you're tearing your part tearing yourself apart inside then yeah what's the joy what's the fun surely we should all be enjoying this short time that we have have, agreed all about having that joy for me I have to say that's that's definitely been a an inner guide for a long Mm. time if the joy is gone I question it but I think that's really good advice and that's Mm. what I'd say if the joy has gone and it's it's difficult for people because families are invested in yeah. in in their kids, you know, and and they're proud and they're it's it's the way society we perceive performers, mm. you know, that's the only way. If you're on the TV, wow, you're yeah. amazing, you know. Um, and there's so much more to it than that, yeah. and so yeah. it's hard for people, and and it's hard to be to be strong and individual. That's mm. the hardest path, without yeah. a doubt. But I think it's the most rewarding. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Wow. I'm so, so happy that I've had this time with you. Honestly, um, Alexandra, it's been such an honor um, to connect with Alexandra and find out all about her wonderful work. You can head over to soundrelaxationcenter.com and you can also check out alexandrarigazzitarling.com where you can check out some of her music and all the wonderful work she's doing. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you. And I really celebrate you and all that you are and all that you do to help heal others and to teach others to do that as well. And I'm so grateful to be one of those. Well, likewise, I'm really very grateful to have seen you today. It's been too long. And thank you. Thank you for being so wonderful and and doing this. Thank you. So I have a final question for you, Alexandra, and that is, what is your soulful sound to the world? A self prayer or desire that you wish upon the world? Hmm. Well, you know, I think following on from what we said, I think strive to be whole, strive to be true to yourself. Um, There's power in simplicity. There's power in being authentic. So Mm. I wish that for everybody, that they find who they really are. They find the peace and the joy Mm. of who they really are. That is beautiful. Mm. Thank you so much. So much love. Thank you. Thanks. Stick around to hear Alexandra and I spontaneously sounding together.
Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to share it with your friends and remember to subscribe. From my heart to yours, sending you love, healing, and sound wherever you are.